what is faith? I was thinking about Hurricane Hillary, and faith can definitely be like that. But I was just thinking about we pray for all the loss and destruction. But I think, I don't know if you've experienced it, but in the last few days, kind of excitement, maybe some fear, something different's going on. There's going to be a sense of adventure you have to come out in the five-mile-per-hour winds to 10 a.m. Mass this morning. So good job. Good on you. That's awesome. That's amazing sacrifice for Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. But what is faith? And we have an incredible example of it from a foreigner or outsider today, the Canaanite woman. She's a foreigner. She's a woman. She's low class. She's unclean. She's the other. She's not the chosen people. And she has this faith for her daughter so that knowing that Jesus, or believing that Jesus will take care of that demon and have power over it. She's saying to Jesus, you prove it. You show it. You do this. And you can make that same prayer to him because he said his word to you. And that's sealed in his precious blood. You do this. You show it. You prove it to me. You talked about it. Now I need it as a reality in my life that I'm going to live for. I trust in you, Jesus. I stake my life on you and you alone. So it's rather appropriate today that we have the baptism of Augustine or Augustine. Augustine said this, Jesus didn't ignore the woman that mercy might be somehow denied, but that a desire in her might be enkindled. Not only that desire might be enkindled, but that humility might be praised. That humility might be praised. That's the only thing I'm looking for in myself and someone else is the humility of Jesus. Totally dependent upon something bigger and greater than themselves. So, gut check time. Time to pray. How's your humility? Are you set in your ways? I talked to someone after Mass, last Mass. They're set in their ways. This is what I believe, and I don't really believe what the Catholic Church teaches. Is that humble? I don't think so. Am I set in my thinking? Is my paradigm, my worldview set? Because if it is, it's over for you and your spiritual life. And me, if we're that way. In the early church, we have someone actually here this morning that wants to become Catholic. I, I know there's at least a few people. I talked to you before Mass. That's awesome. In the early church, it took three years. Three years of catechumen. And anybody in the community can say, hey, you know what, Bishop, Presbyter, I don't think this person's ready. They're not living that life. They could say that. So it took three years process to become a Christian. Love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. And the more time we give here with an open heart, watch out. Talk about Hurricane Hillary. So faith, what does faith lead to? Knowledge. What does knowledge lead to? Love. And that's what's going on around here. And I want to encourage you to continue to get involved in something so that your faith can grow. So that your knowledge of God will increase and your love for him and each other will expand. 
faith. What does it call when people became Catholic in those early years? You got to stop doing something and start doing something different. You got to stop maybe being lazy and you got to start showing up to an extra mass. You got to stop saying, I'm going to live for myself and I'm going to live for this community and the community of Point Loma by the very best food, the gift of finest wheat in the Eucharist. And that that's going to make me and I'm not going to make that. What is faith? It costs. What did it cost them in those days? Their job, their family, their life. Ask 11 of the first 12 apostles how their lives ended as martyrs. Then you know what faith costs you. Go back to August 10th with St. Lawrence, the martyr, who took care of the poor in Rome and the treasury of the church. It costed him his life because he was sticking up for Jesus Christ. Where did you come from? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? Ask those questions and then get to the source of it. Where did you come from? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? I gave our academy staff a retreat this last week. And pastorally, I very much challenged me and them and us. I asked, where are you leading these kids? And I told them, where we need to lead these kids is here, to the altar, to the epicenter of our faith from which everything flows, the source and summit of our lives, to the altar, to the word of God right here, and to the bread of life that we receive in the Eucharist. I invited them to invite their classes to daily mass. If we don't get them here, where are they going to go? You see it left and right. I've had to deal with the death of a very young person this last week. Did he know this? I pray he did, but I can't say he did. This is life and death. This is the heart. This is the heart of it. So I invited them to daily mass. I already got a teacher that said, I'm going to bring them as much as I can. Amen? And I invite you to the same. It's not a magic trick. It's not hyperbole. It's him changing you. Will you take that seriously? Or are we just going to flip a coin and go through life just flipping a coin? Also, in community, it happens in community. We are not saved in a vacuum. It's not me and Jesus. It's me and Jesus and all y'all. That's Catholic. To the ends of the earth, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that everyone might be saved. And I'm going to put this out here not in an arrogant way, but in a most loving way. I want everybody to become Catholic and receive the Eucharist of Jesus. And that's not arrogant. That's the most loving thing I could do for anyone forever. And that's the most loving thing you could do for anyone forever. So who's your person going to be in 2024 at the Easter Vigil? Wouldn't it be great if this church was just popping? We could not contain everybody. And maybe that's just not one. Maybe that's four. Maybe that's five. Maybe that's six. Pray. What does he want you to do? Pray to him. It's not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about like, I want to be appropriate and accepted by the community. I don't think our leader was like that, Jesus the head, leading his body to heaven. 
Here's one for you. Expand or die. If you're not expanding your faith, you're withering. That's just the way it is. That's spiritual physics. And faith and baptism, they go hand in hand. You got to respond to the gift. Say that one of you gave me a, a tennis racket. I'm not hinting at anything here, okay? But say, oh, Father John likes tennis, and he gave me a tennis and then I just put that in the closet. What good is, does that do for my health and enjoyment of tennis? Nothing. Not a kenunka. Never. Nothing. Same thing with faith. I shared with the morning mass crowd this last week, I got ticked off in some liturgies recently that I celebrated. Why did I get ticked off? Because people were coming up. And it was whole families, and I don't think it was unintentional. I would say the body of Christ, and there was no response. What do you say when I say the body of Christ? What? Amen. We say amen like no other word that we ever express, because this is our salvation. This is the eternal Son of God coming to die for us, that we might live and be forgiven for our sins. And we say amen. And you know what that day? They said amen. But you can't let that wane. You can't let that fire go up. You got to stoke the fire. One hour a week? I don't think so. That's not going to do the job, fellow Christians. One hour a week. We got to dive in and lead in all the time. Be thinking about him. Be thinking about the heaven that he's come to bring us on earth. Because faith and baptism go together. You're given the gift of Jesus Christ as Augustine will be this morning, and his parents and godparents and all of us are going to teach him to say, well, you got to respond to that. The one who walks on water and raises the dead and forgives sins and gives new life to somebody who had no idea that there was hope and help and salvation. Just want to quote Benedict, Pope Benedict XVI, because he is so erudite in his teachings. He says there are two movements of faith. There's intellectual assent. I believe it's true. And that's just kind of like nominal. Like I'm checking in and checking out and going to Mass and getting my duty done. Guess what? The duty never gets done. The duty's always starting in the gift of baptism. So it's just in name and thought only. So if we're just there with the intellectual assent that we believe, yeah. Jesus is a, the Son of God. He was great. Not giving him an ounce of my life, but he was great. Great. If you have that intellectual ascent, you're on the level of Satan. You're on the level of Satan. What did the demons cry out when Jesus is working? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Wow. Here comes the crux of the matter. This is how faith becomes faith. It's our personal entrustment. It's our adherence to the truth, whatever he calls you to do. I think I would be so much less if I had said no to him to being a priest. I mean, who's doing that? Come on. And what's he calling to you as the universal priesthood in your life to say yes to? Expand or die. This is faith. It's adhering. What, what you do, I will do what you say. I will say, I will go where you want me to go. That's adherence. Whatever you want, Jesus. 
you got to give it a lot of time, and it's going to cost. It will cost. Look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We follow him. We don't follow a sofa sitting on it watching TV. So, how many of you were baptized as babies? Raise your hand. Most of us. So, how's your post-baptism catechumen been? How much have you learned? How different are, are we today? How much grown up are we? You know, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with chronological age. We can be spiritually just an infant and be 70 years old. Or we can be seven years old and f full of holiness and grace. It's impartial. It's given to us all the time, especially from the epicenter of the altar, the Eucharistic altar. Baptism, my friends, is not the end of love. It's the beginning of love. Baptism is not the end of mercy and growth and community and family and truth. It's just the beginning. The analogy is we have babies here this morning. They need to be raised up in health and goodness. But it makes sense to me that someone like Augustine, who's going to be baptized today, would be raised up spiritually by the spiritual family. Because that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to be, is family. Do you think it's going to be otherwise in heaven for eternity? He's calling us to be family. That's why we have to have faith, so that we'll come to know, so that we'll be able to love. That's why so much good is going on around here. But the whole formation and post-baptism catechumen is just beginning. So we've come up with a great idea, and this is what we're going to do starting out in September. It'll be unveiled. We'll roll out the red carpets. We're going to do a whole parish RCIA program. I'm going to preach from September till Easter about like we're going through RCIA. This is the divine revelation of God, and this is our response. There's sins, sacraments, hierarchy, history. You know why we're doing that? Because I'm pastor. <laughs> no, why we're doing that is because the Holy Spirit's our pastor, and he's telling this pastor to do this, because it's one of the best things that we got going for us in the Catholic Church. Anybody been involved in RCI? Yeah, we know that's one of the best things that we've got going for us in the Catholic Church, because you're actually believing in this, but you're personally adhering to it, you're entrusting your life to it, and you want to become a Catholic with full knowledge and free will, and it's the best thing ever. I want everybody to be Catholic. I want everybody to receive the Eucharist, because I believe, because it saves me and it's saving me, and that's what Jesus does for his children. And he's just waiting to feed you more than an hour on Sundays. And the more time we give him, the closer we get, we'll really get things figured out, straightened out. And we won't leave our kids in a lurch from the evil one who's ready to snatch them. That's the world. That's the opposite of family.
You know, generals and soldiers used to shed their blood to the God of war. They would cut themselves in the temple to get God's attention, pleading for victory. It's the exact opposite for the Christian. Jesus has shed his blood to get your attention. How much time will you give that? How much heart will you give that? Will you give all your body to that? And your mind and your gifts? Jesus on the cross shedding his blood to get your attention. Has he got it? What is your faith response? I don't really want to hear words. I want to see actions. 